focus on headliner. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, uh, joining us on this Friday, we have our reporters, Kwon Soa and Son Bogyeong. Guys, welcome back and uh, happy Chuseok to you guys. Yes, happy, happy Friday and happy Chuseok. That's right. Uh, we, ho- we were hoping to start things off on a, uh, I guess, a positive note here. But uh, unfortunately, we're going to go over to the UK with our very first piece of story. Uh, this is something that I've been following uh, since uh, late last night. In fact, we have a message here from Paulina Maldonado, who is over in the UK, who says, uh, good evening, SJ and Korea Now team. Uh, very sad today because of the Queen's uh, death. And uh, I find out that my friend's mom passed away yesterday as well. In the Case Center, we canceled Chuseok celebration. That's right. All sporting events, all events have been canceled uh, over in the UK. Uh, again, uh, when I was watching the news, uh, it was... The news on Queen Elizabeth II, she was kind of placed under medical supervision. Her family were on the way to see her. Uh, but uh, shortly afterwards, we found out that she did pass away. Uh, Pogyong, let's get the latest details on this. Right. So Queen Elizabeth II, Britain's longest serving monarch and the head of the Commonwealth, who reigned for seven decades, died on Thursday at her summer retreat, the Balmoral Castle in Scotland, and she was 96 years old. Now with the death of the Queen, her eldest son Charles is immediately elevated to the throne as King Charles III, but the coronation will likely take place in spring to allow some mourning time. The royal family announced on Thursday that the Queen had died peacefully. As you said, SJ, earlier Thursday, British Time, Buckingham Palace said that the Queen was placed under medical supervision and that doctors were concerned about her health. And this news came rather abruptly because the Queen was staying at the Balmoral Castle for much of the summer. And it was only two days ago that she appointed the new Prime Minister Liz Truss. And she looked relatively healthy two days ago. But then the next day, she cancelled her evening schedule, as was advised by her doctors. And now with the death of the Queen, Operation London Bridge will kick off. Codenamed London Bridge is a plan for the Queen's funeral that was in the making for years. And it's basically about preparing for what will happen in the UK after the Queen's death. The funeral is likely to be held 10 days from now. And statements were made by King Charles III and leaders around the world mourning the death of the monarch. Queen Elizabeth acceded to the throne when her father, King George VI, died on February 6, 1952. And since then, she reigned for 70 years and 216 days. During her reign, she welcomed 15 prime ministers and weathered many internal and external challenges, including Brexit. She was considered to be a symbol of soft power and was active in the international diplomatic arena, meeting, for instance, 13 out of the 14 U.S. presidents. It's also widely assessed that her commitment to the country and her people kept the monarchy alive despite criticisms to abolish monarchism. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people, uh, again, she, she was well-liked, okay? I think it's one of those things where, you know, the country, uh, people in the UK and, uh, of course, all the realms that uh, she was overseeing, uh, they might have not been a fan of their prime ministers, but I think uh, Queen Elizabeth II, she was uh, very well-liked. Now, one thing that I remember about her was uh, this was... Uh, 
actually around this time, it was uh, when the September 11 attack happened back in 2001. Mm -hmm. uh, for the first time uh, ever, I believe, uh, they were saying that they played the Star Spangled Banner, which is the national anthem for the, the United States of America, on the loudspeakers of uh, Buckingham Palace. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, it's unheard of. Like, like, no one would do that, right? Uh, but she says she did that because she understands there were Amer many Americans that were in uh, the area at the time, and they wanted to make them feel like, uh, you know, feel some sort of comfort listening to the uh, the Star Spangled Banner. So uh, it's it's uh, it's been big news. But I guess we also remember uh, Elizabeth Queen Elizabeth II because she did make a trip to South Korea. This was back in 1999, by the way, uh, including to the city of Andong in the southeast city of the country. Uh, let's let's kind of uh, remember her, uh, I guess, uh, visit to South Korea and kind of uh, reminisce on that uh, special visit. So why you have more on this? Yes, I do. Well, I was back in Germany during that time, but did anyone of you guys, was anyone of you in Korea? I was not. I was, but I can't really remember. Mm, I see, because <laughs> actually, really I don't uh, really know much about this uh, visit. So uh, to, for that, I actually looked up not only today's articles, but actually those that were written 23 years ago to get a more vivid feel of the four-day visit by Queen Elizabeth II to, to Korea in April 1999. So it marked uh, a number of special occasions. Back then, South Korea and the UK celebrated their 50th anniversary of the re-establishment of diplomatic ties from 1949 that followed the end of Japan's colonial rule of Korea. The Queen, who was accompanied by her husband, Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, was the first British monarch to visit Korea since first official ties were established in 1883. Uh, some uh, little background uh, on um, British soldiers that uh, took part in the Korean War. There were 87,000 British soldiers along with Commonwealth countries who fought in the Korean War on the side of South Korea. And uh, now going back to 1999, that was when late President Kim Dae-jung was president of the Republic of Korea. Right. Uh, he and late First Lady Lee Hee-ho uh, warmly welcomed the Queen and the Prince. Now, the trip's focus was on culture and economic cooperation between South Korea and Britain. While the four-day trip took the royal couple to a number of places, of course, including the capital Seoul, the highlight was the Queen's visit to Hahe village in the southeastern city of Andong in Gyeongsangbuk-do province, where the village celebrated her uh, 73rd birthday. 73rd? Yes, 1999, wow. she was already 73, and there were, I think, uh, um, some th 3,000, uh, thousands of people who uh, also, um, just citizens from Andong who um, attended the ceremony. And Andong is known as the birthplace of Korean Confucianism. And uh, this trip emphasized the Queen's engagement with Korean culture, as I said, which was one of the main purposes of the visit. And she received a so-called Sang, which in Korea is a birthday feast that includes a lot of Korean traditional food items like dok, which is Korean rice cake, and then jim, pyeonyuk, which is all kinds of um, meat uh, made in different ways, and then Kuksu is Korean uh, noodles, which you usually eat on uh, birthdays. Yeah, for like longevity, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Long life. Yeah. yeah. And then she also drank rice wine, makgeolli, for a toast. Uh, and some of the remarks Queen Elizabeth had made back then is that the Korea that she sees today 
although that today goes back to 1999, is very different from the country she knew back in 1952 when she was named the queen. And she mentioned how South Korean citizens have built up the destructed country. So she was probably referring to the war-destructed country and established it into a global industrialized country. Also, as her visit was in 1999, she noted that the trip to Korea right before the millennium also symbolizes the bolstering of bilateral ties between South Korea and Britain. Yeah, so I mean, if she became queen in 1952, that means, I mean, Korea was basically at the heart of uh, the Korean War at Mm -hmm. the time. And yes, uh, Korea was at a very different, South Korea was at a very different state uh, at the time. Uh, Disobedient Space Whale uh, asks, who was the last monarch of Korea? It's uh, King Kojong, right, Uh, was the very last uh, king and emperor of uh, Korea, from what I understand. And I mean, they kind of got rid of all that stuff uh, afterwards because obviously Japan. Uh, the world paying tribute, obviously, uh, for Queen Elizabeth II's death. Uh, the lights of Eiffel Tower turned off. White House lowered the American flag to half staff. Uh, let's get some updates on this front, Pogyang. Sure. So leaders and people around the world paid homage to Queen Elizabeth in their own way. For instance, President Joe Biden made a statement saying that she was a steadying presence and a source of comfort and pride for generations of Britons and that she made the U.S.-U.K. relationship special. He ordered the U.S. flag to be flown at half-staff at the White House and upon all public buildings and grounds. South Korean President Yoon Seok-yeol tweeted his condolences, saying that she had a strong belief in the cause of human freedom and left great legacies of dignity. He wrote that her kind heart and good deeds will remain in people's memories. The UN Security Council stood in silent tribute at the start of a meeting on Ukraine on Thursday. French President Emmanuel Macron also said in a statement on Twitter that Queen Elizabeth has embodied the British nation's continuity and unity for over 70 years. The Eiffel Tower's lights went dark early on Thursday night in tribute to the Queen. Again, uh, 96 years old. And uh, again, I don't know if you guys know this, but she also fought in World War II. Uh, And uh, I mean, she was a a well-respected person all throughout. And uh, as we mentioned, I mean, it's been, what, 70 years that she's been in power. Uh, But uh, her her health was just deteriorating really, really quickly. I just remember at the very start of the the year, there was a lot of talks about, you know, events being canceled. We we just had... uh, And uh, we we just had the Jubilee this year, right? I believe Mm -hmm. that the 70th year of her... We had the Jubilee, and so even during for the Jubilee, I know that she was like she was planning it, but uh, her health condition she couldn't walk properly. She was walking with a, uh, a walking stick for the first. She's mm-hmm. like rarely seen with a walking stick, mm-hmm. uh, but so uh, it was probably since the death of her late husband last April last mm-hmm. year. So yeah. since then, her health started to uh, dramatically deteriorate, but still she looked relatively not so bad yeah, yeah. when she appointed the newly appointed uh, prime minister two days ago. So, But still, you're right. Her health was deteriorating since last year. Mm-hmm. And even when she had uh, COVID-19, That's she, right. uh, there were a lot of concerns, of course, because of her age. But then still, uh, she was uh, doing her duties uh, at home. And uh, she, d- because she was uh, vaccinated 
also, but uh, she didn't seem to be that sick of the virus, although with that age, it's really mm-hmm. uh, a dangerous mm-hmm. um, situation. So back then, when she recovered from COVID, I kind of thought she is going to live um, past 100 years, and that's, I think, what many had hoped. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, disobedient space, but I do want to make that correction. You're right, mm-hmm. she didn't fight in the World War II. I meant to say she helped... Uh, during World War II, because she did serve as a mechanic in mm-hmm. the uh, the military's women's branch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so i make a quick correction on that. Guys, uh, let's switch gears now to North Korea. Uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un uh, had a statement. He had something to say. Uh, was I surprised at what he said? No, I did expect, I did expect this kind of uh, comment to come from him. Uh, really stepping up his determination of continuing his country's nuclear ambitions, uh, condemned the U.S. for calling on Pyongyang to give up on its nuclear programs. So uh, let's get the details on Kim's latest comments here. Sure. The North Korean leader made it clear he'll never give up his nukes. The North's official Korean Central News Agency reported Friday that regime leader Kim Jong-un vowed his country will never give up nuclear weapons and ruled out any chances of using them as a bargaining chip in negotiations. Uh, He, in fact, said as long as nuclear weapons exist on Earth and imperialism remains, our road towards strengthening nuclear power power won't stop. And he made these remarks in a speech Thursday at the Supreme People's Assembly, North Korea's rubber stamp parliament, which passed a new nuclear force law during its key session. Pogyang will have more specifics yeah. on this policy itself. Uh, now, the KCNA also quoted the North's leader as saying the aim of the U.S. is not just to eliminate North Korea's weapons, but its ultimate goal is to bring down the regime anytime by forcing it to put down its nuclear weapons and weaken or give up its ability to exercise self-defense. Kim also accused Washington of its attentions to get North Korea uh, denuclearized through sanctions, calling that a misjudgment and miscalculation. Uh, in a quite provocative tone, he said the U.S. may impose sanctions for 100 days, 1,000 days, 10 years, or 100 years, implying those won't help at all in stopping Pyongyang's ambitions. You know, um, I mentioned this on the show before, but uh, I, don't, I didn't think that North Korea was going to give up its nuclear weapons because, again, they saw Russia, right? Uh, what's the only reason for why, how Russia is able to deter, uh, let's say, the United States or some of the Western allies of uh, Ukraine for going in there and kind of uh, attacking with their own soldiers and assisting the Ukraine uh, with, you know, other firearms and uh, soldiers and things. It's because... Russia has many, many nuclear warheads, like over a thousand, right? And so North Korea sees this and goes, oh, look at Russia. The the reason why they're able to deter them is because they have nuclear weapons. We need to continue to have nuclear weapons. So because I knew this, I'm not surprised about Kim Jong-un's statements, but I am very concerned with North Korea passing this legislation on this nuclear weapons policy. Let's see what kind of changes we can expect on this. Uh, Pogyong, like, like Soa mentioned, uh, you have more on this. Right. So as Soa just reported, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un publicly expressed his determination not to give up the country's nuclear weapons. And North Korea Central News Agency published an article titled The Law of the Supreme People's Assembly of the DPRK, outlining the nuclear weapons law that was passed earlier this week. The nuclear weapons policy consists of 11 clauses outlining the mission, execution, and control of its nuclear weapons. Above all, the third clause stipulates that Kim Jong-un has all decisive powers over the nuclear weapons. Under the law, 
A nuclear strike can be automatically and immediately carried out to destroy the origin of provocation if the command and control system of the nuclear forces is in danger of an attack by hostile forces. The law also specified five scenarios under which the nuclear weapons can be used. For instance, if it's deemed that there's an imminent threat of a nuclear or other sorts of attacks, if there's an imminent threat on the country's leadership and nuclear forces, or if a nuclear weapon should be used to have dominance in the war or for the sovereignty of the nation. The law basically stipulates that the usage of nuclear weapons is a last resort, but it also describes that the weapons are essential to North Korea's sovereignty and territorial integrity. The law also states that the regime's nuclear weapons will not be located or shared with other countries' territories and that nuclear technologies and substances will not be transferred. And also there is another clause that says any country that doesn't possess nuclear weapons but will collaborate with a nuclear country will be subject to an attack. And that basically means South Korea. South Korea not having nukes, but cooperating with the U.S. So South Korea can be subject to an attack as well. Yeah, exactly. So uh, even though, and I do agree, I think for North Korea using their nuclear weapons, uh, it is the last resort. Because I think they also know that if they do use their nuclear weapons, then, I mean, it's going to be all gone. The Kim regime might be done and over with if they use the nuclear weapons. Because as soon as that's launched, the U.S. is going to be all over uh, North Korea. Now, the other problem with that is if North Korea, if the U.S. goes all over North Korea after the use of a nuclear weapon, will China get involved? That's the other big thing. And so North Korea, knowing this, uh, they can't just use nuclear weapons, because, which is all the more reason why I say it's very unlikely that North Korea is going to use the nuclear weapon. But man, when they said, what was it? Uh, it can be automatically and immediately carried out to destroy the origins of a provocation. But, like, what's the definition of a provocation? If, like, Korea, South Korea decides they're going to test, like, an ICBM and then they decide that it's, like, a provocation, are they going to do it? But, no, it's last resort. I, I, I still doubt that North Korea is going to use this. Uh, in the meantime, today, Friday, September 9th, uh, it does mark North Korea's state-founding anniversary where a North Korean leader with his wife, Lee Sor-chu, uh appeared among the people to celebrate this very big day. So, uh, so uh, let's get more on this. Right. September 9th uh, in Korea, in Korean, we say 구구절. The festivities uh, in the north started since uh, yesterday. And we also talked about the preparations already having been shown in North Korean media days ago. So North Korean leader Kim Jong-un himself attended a massive celebration Thursday evening together with his wife Lee Seol-ju. According to the KCNA this Friday, the 74th anniversary celebrations were held with splendor at the foot of time-honored Mansu Hill in Pyongyang, where the statues of Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il, the late grandfather and father of Kim Jong-un, stand. And uh, in the pictures, uh, in the photos, you could see how Kim and Lee were surrounded by what seemed to be performers uh, for the celebrations, enjoying the atmosphere. Uh, What also stood out was that uh, it was really... um, a massive crowd, but no one was wearing masks. And uh, just recently, we know that North Korea had declared victory over COVID-19. And uh, during the festivities, there were paratroopers featured in the ceremony, as well as an air show. And more events are to take place this evening. I think the next one is to start at 7 p.m. Now, usually the North holds such big celebrations on in such a uh, in such a big um, 
규모 in such a big size. Size, yes. Uh, every fifth or tenth anniversary of important national holidays. And as I mentioned, uh, it's the 74th, not the 75th no. or the 80th. Uh, so the reason for why they seem to have a big celebration at the 74th anniversary of the Foundation Day is uh, this is attributed to recently North Korea having dealt with heavy rainfall and also again it's uh, declaring victory over COVID-19. So it seems like they want to... It's a morale to, booster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they want to reinforce uh, unity, solidarity and uh, encourage the people and that's why they kind of um, made this big. And I think just uh, a few moments ago I also saw how Russia congratulated uh, North Korea. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> yes, and probably China as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that uh, people are out there in the open with no mask on. It's, it's their way. Do I think North Korea completely got rid of COVID-19? No. no. Uh, but do they want the world to make it look like they did? Yes. yes. Uh, and this is one of the ways to do it. Guys, uh, this foundation, the, the North Korea's foundation day is one thing, but uh, I think this whole nuclear policy that they just recently passed and Kim Jong-un's statement, this is the big concern here. Uh, I want to know what yours and also the experts' assessment on North Korea's latest moves <laughs> could be and uh, what could these what these uh, developments could mean for us in our continued efforts to denuclearize North Korea. Let's start off with uh, Pogyang. Okay, so experts say that it's the first time for a nuclear state to be this aggressive and to be this concrete in elaborating its nuclear strategy because it included scenarios that preemptive attacks are possible, which means that basically nuclear weapons can be used in any situation when we say preemptive. And in the sixth cause in the law, the law mentions that the nuclear weapon can be used in inevitable situations. As you said, SJ, this can be arbitrarily interpreted. So there can be different interpretations, right? And the law prohibits North Korea to take part in the nuclear negotiations. So any future negotiations with the U.S. will no longer be about going nuclear or not, but it will be more about reducing the size of the military equipment or the forces. And North Korea has been like is drawing the line to convey a message that from now on the U.S. or South Korea will have to change their fundamental approach towards North Korea and recognize the regime as a nuclear state. Whereas in the past, especially during the days of the Trump administration, Pyongyang has been giving mixed signals because back then there was much more attention paid to North Korea. And there was room for negotiations, such as Kim Jong-un saying about denuclearization, quote, if I'm not willing to do that, I won't be here right now when they had the summit with Trump and um, Kim Jong-un. But now the situation is different. President Biden is pretty much occupied with the war in Ukraine and Russia and South Korea is strengthening its ties with the U.S. So North Korea doesn't really have other options anymore. And also its nuclear weapons are much more advanced probably than back then. So now it's made its position firm. And that's why experts say that for some time, we have to manage in the way not to further deteriorate the already stalled relationship, but to at least maintain the current situation. 
Yeah, uh, nevertheless, uh, so I want to get your two cents on this. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Sure. Um, before I get into my own opinion yeah. uh, on the law itself that North Korea just passed, uh, an official at Seoul's foreign ministry made a comment. Uh, and uh, he or she, the official, said that South Korea's denuclearization policy towards North Korea won't change. And also mentioned that uh, Seoul is going to remain firm in trying to complete denuclearize North Korea. And also uh, this official mentioned that North Korea's continuous um, development of its nuclear weapons is going to only lead to a stronger alliance between South Korea and the U.S. And it's going to uh, make the North uh, be more isolated from the international community. And it's going to also lead to more economic difficulties for its citizens. So that's Seoul's stance uh, right after this um, law uh, was announced from the North. Now, uh, what I think is that first off, when you read this uh, article, you might think that this new law that North Korea has come up with is could be it could sound very frightening to some yeah. extent but then again uh, North Korea has always been doing whatever it wants so it doesn't really need a law to do what it wants it's kind of more of a symbolic move and uh, that symbolic move being uh, they want to demonstrate a hardened stance towards the US and its allies uh, so I think um, this even with this law or without this law, we know that a seventh nuclear test could be imminent. Uh, so we shouldn't be too much concerned, uh, I think. However, um, I think for a long time, it's really difficult to have negotiations with North Korea. Uh, that's what uh, yeah. the regime leader, North Korean regime leader now has uh, really made clear, uh, I believe. And uh, one analyst said that Kim Jong-un's goal is to win international acceptance of North Korea's status as a responsible nuclear state, as Po Gyeong mentioned. I also think that this is what Kim is trying to do. I don't know if North Korea thinks that uh, they could... I, for some reason, I think this uh, the release of this new nuclear policy and Kim Jong-un basically saying that we're not going to get rid of our nuclear weapons, I think that's kind of a sign that North Korea is going to be finally conducting their seventh nuclear test now. Mm -hmm. I think they've kind of waited. They waited for the U.S. to lift some sanctions. Uh, it didn't come. Uh, they got the audacious initiative from uh, the UN administration. They weren't a big fan of it. And they say, you know what, we're not going to wait any longer and we're going to do this. Even knowing that if they do conduct their seventh nuclear test, that there's no way to turn around. But I think North Korea thinks that if there's like an administration change, like if you see like the trends, right? Right now, currently we're under a, a conservative uh, administration, right? So anytime it's like a conservative nation uh, administration, things don't really go out too well with North Korea. And I think there's going, uh, whether it be five years down the road, uh, whether it be 10 years down the road, if there is a liberal administration that comes in, oh, then we can start talking again. So it's not going to be a big problem. Maybe that's what they're thinking. But honestly, they lost their biggest chance uh, during the previous Moon administration. Uh, they really did. And I think them staying, staying silent and not talking and refusing to do any kind of discussion, although I think the reason why they really did this was because their pandemic situation was really bad. But... 
Yeah, just like Soa said, I don't think there's going to be any talks of denuclearization mm. for like a mm. really long time. Uh, SJ also made a good point that uh, because uh, they just announced this law, the seventh nuclear co- test could actually be quite uh, happening in the near future because they kind of, if they do conduct the test and then the international community is going to, you know, impose new sanctions um, and, and so on, then they will have a kind of excuse saying this test is part of the new law. Uh, so this is according yes. to law. <laughs> yes, it's just a test, right? We, we're not trying to make any threats here. Yeah. Uh, we're just making sure that we're implementing this law in place. Mm. Uh, so don't even count it as our seventh nuclear test. <laughs> it doesn't count, guys. It doesn't count. Yeah, I, I, I think this is a sign that they're going to go with mm. this. Uh, it's a matter of when, right? Mm. All right. Nevertheless, uh, let's move on here. I'm sure we'll talk more about this next time. Uh, let's talk COVID-19. Uh, we're looking at South Korea seeing COVID-19 cases below the 70,000. This is barely under 70,000 uh, on the first day of Chuseok holiday. Uh, what should we be aware of during this uh, four-day holiday, Pogyang? Right. So first of all, did you realize that this year's Chuseok is the first time in two years without any social distancing measures put in place? Of course, I realized. Yes. I didn't realize (laughs) it, but uh, nothing really changed for me. So, yeah. Yeah. So because we had this pandemic since 2020. So, right. It's been more than two years. So according to the Korea Disease Control and Prevention Agency, South Korea reported today 69,410 new COVID-19 infections, including 277 cases from overseas, bringing the total caseload to 23,933,949 cases. Friday's figures were down 3,236 from the previous day. South Korea added 68 COVID-19 deaths, up from from up, up four from a day earlier, raising the death toll to 27,381. The number of critically ill patients still stood at 504, up 11 from the previous day. Now, with the downward trend continuing, the four-day Chuseok holidays began today. And during a COVID-19 response meeting, Vice Health Minister Lee Gi-il called on the public to observe quarantine rules and get treatment should people have any COVID-19 symptoms during the Chuseok holidays. He advised the public not to visit families if people were experiencing symptoms. And so I will probably talk about what people can do during the holidays in case one gets infected. And on another note, highway tolls, highway tolls that had been collected since Chuseok 2020 will be exempted during these Chuseok holidays. That's right, because uh, during the past two previous uh, Chuseok, uh, the government was basically encouraging people not to travel in and out of the country, uh, well, within the country, and so they uh, picked up the tolls, which, by the way, could add up if you go really far. Uh, but, man, I mean, it's like right now, it's like worse time. I, I, I know someone who recently got his, her, their family, entire family got COVID, uh, and then they were saying, well, it's a blessing in disguise because they were planning to go down to their hometowns and like visit their family members and her uh, parents uh, who haven't gotten COVID yet. And so like if mm-hmm. they went down without knowing this. And so a lot of people, what they're doing is before they're traveling, uh, they're buying the test kits, uh, whether or not you're a big fan of those rapid antigen test kits that you can buy on the uh, the convenience store still it's a safe route at this time uh but so uh, they're saying that there's uh the government has released some uh, details on the COVID-19 testing and treatment operations during the Chuseok holidays because I mean 70,000 uh cases that's still a lot 
Right. Uh, so we've got the so-called one-stop medical institutions. Around 6,000 of those are to operate over the holidays. Uh, they have actually added some 700 more. I think until last month, they have increased the number to 5,300 or so. So what this one-stop medical institution means is you can get diagnosis, a treatment, and prescription all in one at these um, facilities. Uh, and nearby such one-stop facilities will be 500 to 1,000 pharmacies in charge of preparing COVID-19 medicines. In total, some 32,000 such pharmacies uh, will be um, uh, running across the nation. And also oral treatments like Paxlovid and Lagevrio will be available if needed. Now, the list of those pharmacies can be found on the KDCA homepage. Uh, COVID-19 test centers will also be running during the four-day holidays. That's 603 test centers and 84 temporary screening centers as well. And uh, as we've been uh, expecting and uh, as we have seen, it's quite busy on the expressways. Um, so you may want to make some stops at rest areas where they also have temporary testing facilities. And uh, from the 9th until, uh, uh, meanwhile, for COVID-19 patients currently in quarantine at home, there will be 150 counseling centers operating as usual, and around uh, 140 will be working through the night. A total of 525 emergency hospital rooms have also been designated to operate 24 hours during the holidays, and a task force is to monitor the health of vulnerable people, such as senior citizens who live alone. Alone. And uh, let me also give you some numbers that you can call in uh, whenever you need uh, some help. Um, the health ministry uh, said during the um, Chuseok holiday uh, season, that's from the 9th until the 12th, you can call 129. Uh, that's when you need information on when and uh, at uh, when and where you can find those testing centers and yeah. pharmacies and medical facilities around you. And then 119 is, of course, for emergency. Uh, and also 120 uh, is for the um, related call centers in cities uh, where you can probably get guided on the local um, places you can get information. Uh, one thing that I want to mention is medical experts said if you have relatively light symptoms of COVID-19, you should refrain from uh, going to emergency centers because uh, without COVID, we also have many other emergency yeah, patients. Yeah. So it is also difficult for you to actually get treated for COVID if you go to the emergency center. So make use of all the other facilities that are available if you're not really having two heavy symptoms. Yeah, and that's the other thing, right? Um, and I, I think someone mentioned this, but if you have any kind of symptoms, okay, because right now is there's like like the cold season's coming in because we've been seeing like a fluctuation of the temperature like the weather like it's mm -hmm. super hot today right and it was like super cold like for the past uh, couple of days and then it's like going back and forth so a lot of people are getting sick even if you think it's not covid and it's just a common cold it's highly recommended that you just don't travel because i mean goodness i mean it's these family gatherings and especially with like korean food right mm. like the way that the korean food culture is it's like the panchans you're sharing food and you're you know the, the chans with like the ping you know the toast with like the drinks ping? and stuff like that yeah <laughs> i don't know what sound you're supposed to be making but it's really it's it's really dangerous and i think especially 
we're, we're at trying to reach the peak and we've actually hit the peak and we're going on a downward trend. I think it's important that we follow these uh, rules in place and stay, stay, as, uh, stay safe as much as we can here. Uh, guys, I want to thank you guys very much for coming in, uh, for even though it's Chuseok. Mm-hmm. And I hope you guys have a fantastic Chuseok. But the most important thing, I hope you guys have a very safe Chuseok as well. Thank you, you very too. much, guys. Thank you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.